Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show that really is a pleasure to be a part of, but more especially, thank you for making it a number one listen-to show every Sunday morning, USA Wealth Group's The Money Wise Radio Show. Congratulations, Ray Lance. Good morning. Good Sunday morning, Phil. Hello Good there. Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Nice thank you for listening, and thank you for... Uh, an exciting week this past week. Boy, we had some wonderful things happen Woo. with our New England Patriots. Yes. And uh, we're heading for the Super Bowl again. You certainly are. Are you going? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. No? No, w- I don't w- think Would you pay uh, $17,000 for a ticket? No, and I wouldn't pay 2000 <laughs> or $1,500 or, or any of those prices either. No. No. But they do a lottery, apparently, uh, for season ticket holders. My daughter has season tickets. How does that work? Well, what they do is they put everybody who's a season ticket holder into a basket of some kind or a computer, and then they pick so many people who can buy tickets at regular prices, not inflated prices. How interesting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the odds are pretty pretty slim. Yeah. But who knows? Somebody has to win. Somebody has to win. You never know. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we'll broadcast live from the Super Bowl. (laughs) That would be a... Remote broadcast. Yeah, (laughs) and today with the Pro Bowl, and uh, we're going to have lots of good action. Yes, we are. You know, I have to give you an important Greek philosopher quotation this morning. Have you ever heard of the gentleman named Diogenes? Yes. Well, Diogenes said, dogs and philosophers do the greatest good and get the fewest rewards. (laughs) So, so much for Greek philosophers, I guess. I'll take the pebbles out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, this morning we uh, have with us two guests who are going to be talking about how to protect your home. And um, attorney Michael Coleman is with us this morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. And Mike has put together a memorandum which is called the Top Ten Question nine, legal strategies to protect the home. Because he was working on a top 10 list, but I think it ended up to be a top nine list. So we're going to talk about that. And also with us is attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So today our topic will be the top 10 or nine legal strategies to protect the home. If you're listening and you have a home, this is a subject that's important for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I have to give a quotation and recognition for uh, Tenny and Mike being with us, two good, excellent local estate planning, Medicaid planning attorneys. This is a quotation from my dear friend, Benjamin Franklin. I don't do this very often, uh, Mike and Tenny, so listen often. God works wonders now and then. Behold, a lawyer and an honest man. (laughs) How awful. It is. A, I say, I don't do it very Why often. People make these awful jokes. But I was looking at my, my quotations information, and I thought, hmm, we're going to have two lawyers on the show. Maybe that would be something interesting to talk about. But we are going to be talking about your home this morning. And uh, there's a restaurant sign uh, recently that said, a man's home is his hassle. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how not to make your home a hassle, but how instead to make it protected and protect the asset from your children. And so, Mike, uh, where did you go to law school, Mike, by the way? I went to law school down in New York at the Hofstra School of Law. It's on Long Island. Okay. And where'd you go to college? Fairfield University down in Connecticut. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Yeah. And Tenny, where did you go to college and where did you go to law school? You and I both went to Clark University in Worcester. Uh, we I remember were... that now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Although we met when we were sophomores in high school. Oh, Isn't that incredible? We won't yeah. talk about how long ago that was. Oh, and I wow. went to law school uh, across from our office at the University of Mass School of Law. Yep. Excellent. Well, I know that you and Mike both do a lot of work in the area of uh, protecting the home and doing estate planning. And why don't we tell the folks what's happening the end of this month for some seminars. Mike, you've got seminars coming up, right? We do. We have three seminars coming up at the end of this month. The what's first, the subject? That would be estate planning. Okay. Uh, the first is on Tuesday, January 27th. That's at 6.30 p.m. at the Hampton Inn in Fairhaven. Second one is on Thursday, January 29th, again at 6.30 p.m. at Whites of Westport. And final one is on Saturday, January 31st at 10 a.m. That's at our office, the Lance Law Office here in Dartmouth. Um, If you want to register for any of those events, please call 508-998-8800. Or you could also register online at info at lancelawinc.com. Okay, that's great. And Tenny, what are some of the things you're going to talk about? Um, This seminar is aimed at um, providing people with basic information about estate planning as a whole, but wills and trusts, and importantly also, how to protect yourself and your family if a nursing home becomes part of your future. Uh, I do want to emphasize that these seminars are all free, and uh, we try to make them interesting and fun and uh, I think people enjoy them. Certainly people in the past who have come have said how much it has helped them to understand a fairly tricky subject. Okay, and today we're talking about how to protect your home. So, Mike, without further ado, what is a life estate deed, and how does that work, and how does that help people? Well, a life estate deed is really uh, just like a normal deed. It has a grantor and a grantee, and typically uh, in the situation of a married couple, you have the two spouses granting an interest in property to themselves, and they grant that interest in the property to themselves as life tenants. And then what happens is you also have what are called remainder men, and those remainder men, uh, typically children, they have a percent ownership in that property. And there are certain ways that that benefits people. Uh, one of the ways that that can benefit a couple uh, is when they pass away, that interest will automatically pass to the remainder men. So there's no probate involved in that situation, which is really a major, um, a major thing when you're talking about title passing. So those are some of the good points about life estate deeds. Are there any bad features of a life estate deed? Yep, there are some drawbacks, certainly. Uh, when we're talking about the remainder men, your children, maybe, they will have an interest in that property when you sign that deed. So if they have uh, problems with creditors, uh, the house could be subject to liens from those creditors. Uh, again, they have an interest in the property, so if you were to sell the property, they would be entitled to a portion of those sale proceeds. And then again, they have an interest in the property, so they actually have a say on what goes on with the property. So if you wanted to sell that house or that property at some point in the future, they would actually have to sign any deed that is drawn up. So that's definitely a, a complication. So what if somebody had done a life estate deed and they named their children as the remainderman that you described? And they decide to refinance their house or put a home equity line on. Are the children going to have to sign something at that point? They would because they have an interest in that property. So they would have to sign off on pretty much anything that's done with that real estate. Okay. So a life estate deed has both good points and bad points. It does. And I guess you have to have some 
confidence in your children and trust your children, it sounds like. Right. And one of the other things I could bring up is that when we're talking about nursing homes and Medicaid, um, a life state deed can help to avoid uh, what's called estate recovery. Mm -hmm. Can I mention one thing while we're talking about life estate deeds? We are in the process of sending out notices from our office to all of the clients of Susan Doyle. We bought Susan Doyle's practice several years ago, and um, it was the practice in the 1990s to do life estate deeds, retaining for the uh, original grantors something called the right to mortgage, sell, and convey. Mm-hmm. That was often in deeds that, was, that were done by everyone in those days, not just Susan's clients. Um, and what I want to mention is that those deeds are no longer protective for the the uh, nursing home that Mike was just mentioning. Why is that? Have the laws changed in that area? The regulations, the policies have changed, not the laws themselves. But MassHealth now considers those uh, kinds of deeds as countable assets, uh, which is uh, something that I want don't want to get into in great detail, but it creates a problem for anybody looking to get on Medicaid. So it sounds like your message really is that if you've done a life estate deed sometime in the past, maybe it should be reviewed. Is that basically correct? Absolutely. And remember that you have a five-year wait after you do anything. So if you're going to change your life estate deed, do it sooner than later. So if I could summarize, uh, Mike and Tenny, it sounds like what you're saying is that a life estate deed can be really a good thing, but it also has some drawbacks. And if you have a life estate deed that you did sometime in the past, perhaps you ought to have it reviewed. Would that yes. be accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's move on and talk about the homestead. Tell us, uh, Mike, if you can, what is the homestead in Massachusetts? What's a declaration of homestead? I've heard that phrase before. Really, it's a pretty, pretty simple document. It's just a, a two-page document. It's really pretty simple to draft. Um, what it says is that you have, once it's recorded with the Registry of Deeds, and by the way, that only costs $35 to record, you have equity protection in the value of your house from unsecured creditors. Mm-hmm. So if you were to be sued or if there's some other unsecured creditor out there that comes after you, you have a certain amount of protection in the equity value of your house. Let me jump in and ask you a really simple question. Do you think that everybody who owns their home should have a homestead on their house? Absolutely. I mean, it's only $35 to record, and it does provide a good amount of protection if you're an elderly couple, and they define elderly as older than 62. That would uh, include several of us in this room. <laughs> <laughs> not counting you, Mike. No, I'm not there yet. Um, but that would provide a million dollars of uh, equity protection in your house. So that's that's pretty beneficial for only $35. Mike, he was eyeing at me when he said that. Oh, yes, okay. I was, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Wouldn't you think they could find a better name for it? Yeah, that's right. How about a senior homestead? That sounds better, right? Yeah. Senior always sounds better than elderly. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess when it comes to discounts and so forth, you know, I've reached the point, Phil, when I go into Friendly's Restaurant and they have a special discount if you're seniors. Sure. And it used to be that I would order on the special senior section of Friendly's Restaurant and I would say, um, I'm going to get the senior discount. And now when I go in, this is a true story, <laughs> they just look at me and say, so you're going to get the senior <laughs> discount, right? <laughs> would you like the free Sunday that comes with your senior meal? <laughs> get a free happy ending Sunday, they call it. There you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I guess there's some benefits. But sure. Anyway, sorry about that, Mike. Just, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> when I look at Phil sometimes, it invokes humorous thoughts. He thinks of a hot fudge sundae, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Did I phrase that correctly, Phil? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, um, I've heard, and, and I don't really know about this a lot, but is there such a thing as an automatic homestead as well? There is. It's actually a $125,000 protection in your house automatically. So if you want to increase that protection, you record this declaration of homestead. All right. So if it's $125,000 as an automatic homestead that everybody gets whether they file something or not, then there is some protection there today regardless. Yeah. If you have less than $125,000 in equity in your house, then I guess you wouldn't have to file that extra document. Although okay. it's only $35 to file, so I don't know why you wouldn't. Sure. So it makes sense because you get a larger protection to 250 Is that what it is? 250 and then 500 for an elderly person. All right. So quick summary then is you have an automatic homestead for $125,000 without filing anything. But if you file a document and you're under 62, you get $250,000 of equity protection. And then 62 and older, you're entitled to an elderly uh, exemption for $500,000. That's right. Exactly. Okay, good. And that's for each owner. So if you are a couple, you can each declare for a homestead and get double the value. So you can double it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Double your pleasure, double your fun. Oh my Lord, is that old? <laughs> double mint gum. You're double mint, double showing mint. your age. Yes, we are showing our age, Phil. <laughs> The Doublement Twins. Yes. <laughs> we won't get down that road. <laughs> All right, so we've, we've talked about the value of the homestead, and everybody ought to do this. Um, one of the things that we recommend when we talk to people about asset protection in my business is that people take a look at their homeowner's insurance. So do you talk to people about their homeowner's insurance? Uh, I don't get much into insurance, to tell okay. you the truth. Well, that'll be the missing number 10 on your list. Okay. Okay, so that is simply have a liability umbrella rider on your homeowner's policy. It's very inexpensive. So when you have a homeowner's life ins- a homeowner's policy on your home, which you have to carry, especially if you have a bank mortgage, for about 150 to $250 a year, you can take your liability insurance from $100,000, let's say, up to $1 million. And that will protect you, for example, if you get into a car accident and somebody wants to sue you because you caused the accident. One of the first things they like to do when they file a lawsuit is to try to get a real estate attachment against your house. So if you have a liability umbrella rider on your homeowner's policy, you have a lot more protection for fairly short dollars. And if anybody wants information about that, I'll be happy to provide it. By the way, this program is brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group, and we do primarily retirement planning and asset protection planning. We help people with life insurance and annuities and long-term care insurance and things of that nature. And we help people make wise decisions about preparing for retirement. So if you have interest, give us a call at 508-998-8858. Now, back to you, Mike, putting you back on the hot seat again. We're talking about this thing that we call a homestead. We talked about the amounts. We talked about the ages. 
Um, what about disabled people? Can they file a homestead also? Absolutely. They, they can do that. Uh, on the form itself, there's a section to fill out for the, eld- the uh, disabled. So, yes, that's, that's certainly a possibility. All right. So looking into a homestead is a very useful, valuable thing to do to protect your family, um, I think we would all say. And, and also, I know that if somebody ever had financial difficulties, and I know this from uh, experience and talking to some other people about their financial assets, if somebody ever needed to file a bankruptcy petition, for example, because they had unusual medical bills, did you know, Phil, that most bankruptcies are filed because of medical bills? Yeah, sadly. It's mm-hmm. a very sad thing. Well, uh, if you do that, you can claim the homestead exemption on a bankruptcy protection bankruptcy petition, and you can protect virtually all, if not all, of the equity in your house from being taken by a bankruptcy court. So that's yet another reason to make sure you maximize the benefit of the homestead. And if somebody wants information about that, Mike, can they get in touch with you and talk about the homestead? Of course. Feel free to give us a call at 508-998-8800, or you can email us at info at lancelawinc.com. Okay, I noticed that another thing on your list is something called an irrevocable income-only trust. Tenny, would you like to talk about that a little bit and explain how that might protect your home? Sure. Um, People uh, get confused about trusts because there are so many different kinds. The irrevocable income-only trust is, as its name implies, not something that you can change once you do it. But if you do it and you have five years before a nursing home comes along in your life, then you can protect, protect your home uh, under this trust. And what happens in this trust essentially is that you deed the house into this trust and someone that you trust, perhaps a child, becomes the trustee. And uh, once the house is deeded into this trust, then there isn't a way that Mass Health could put a lien against it. Okay. And um, does it take a long time to set up an irrevocable income-only trust? No, it takes no longer than our usual revocable living trusts. Um, it does, however, as I said, require five years before you get involved with a nursing home um, in order to make sure that that protection is in place. And it functions very much like our other trusts, you name in this document who your beneficiaries will be, uh, and upon your death, the property transfers to those beneficiaries very seamlessly without any probate. And you do need to name somebody else to be a trustee, like a child, for example. Yes, there's some controversy about whether that's required, but uh, for safety's sake, we uh, require somebody else to be the trustee, yes. Mm. You know, this past week we've um, celebrated Martin Luther King uh, holiday uh, on last Monday. And one of the great things that Martin Luther King stated once was, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Mm-hmm. Aside from his famous speeches and quotes, which I won't give because nobody could ever say it the way he said it. But uh, he was a very interesting man. And he spoke out not only about injustice, but he also spoke out about some of the problems that are wrong with Washington. And so have other famous presidents and individuals in the past. Dwight Eisenhower, for example, once said, there are a number of things wrong with Washington. One of them is that everyone is too far from home. 
And yeah. think about that one for a second. Mm-hmm. People go to Washington and they get tied up in the uh, importance of being in Washington. They forget where their roots are, where they uh, came from. But speaking of famous presidents and famous quotations and individuals, my dear friend Abraham Lincoln once said, the best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. (laughs) So just remember that. We're going to look forward to the Super Bowl coming up uh, very shortly. So who are you rooting for for Super Bowl? I love the Patriots. Yeah, Boy, they've been really impressive. Was a very interesting last weekend watching the, uh, the playoff games. It was, but uh, Seattle was one of those, you know, movie uh, come from behind victories. It huh? was. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I was I was actually at the Patriots game, uh, and uh, got a little bit wet, but it was really exciting. Nobody minded being wet at the Patriots game. It was just such electricity in the whole stadium. It was amazing. Really. But on the way in, I'm listening to the score, and the Packers were ahead. And I got out of the car, and by the time I walked over to the stadium to go in, I'm looking at the big screens, and everybody's watching the screens. Nobody could believe that Seattle came back from behind in such a very short time. Were you in the stadium when the uh, score, when at the end of the game? I actually left about uh, five to six minutes early Yeah, when the score was like, 38 to 7. No, or no, something. I mean with Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Yes, I was. What was the response like? Everybody was screaming and yelling, saying, No, no, <laughs> how could you do this? <laughs> and <laughs> no, it will be very interesting to see Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick oh, together. Oh, yes, it will. Bet. It's going to be a great matchup. Oh, you bet. No, it was, it, was, it was sort of unexpected, but I think everybody thought the Packers were going to win. And then to have that unusual comeback in just the last two minutes of the game. I was hoping for a you know, Seattle Seahawks, New England Patriots uh, matchup. So. Well, you got your wish. It's going to be yeah, two good wish. teams. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be terrific. The funny thing is that while I was there, there was uh, I was with my uh, son-in-law. We sat side by side, and he has a twin brother who is in Seattle who's a great Patriots fan. <laughs> so they're texting back and forth talking about the Seattle game and who's it going to be, Seattle versus the Pats. <laughs> but uh, great fun. Well, in any event, uh, we're looking forward to that event coming up. It'll be fun. That one we'll watch on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tenny, tell us again quickly about the seminars that you have coming up. We have uh, seminars coming at the end of January. One is Tuesday, January 27th at 630 here in Fairhaven, and then there is one on Thursday, January 29th at White's of Westport, also 6.30 in the evening, and then at our office on Fonts Corner Road on Saturday morning, January 31st at 10 a.m., and if anyone would like to attend these seminars, please call our office at 508-998-8800 or uh, the toll-free number if you happen to be outside our particular area, 800-406-0100. And otherwise, you can email us. And I never remember our email address, but Mike always does. Info (laughs) at LanceLawInc.com. Well, anyway, if you'd like to attend one of their seminars on uh, Will's Trust and Nursing Home Asset Protection, give them a call, ladies and gentlemen. And we will be right back. 
Welcome back to USA Wealth Group's Money Wise Radio Show with Ray Lance and our very special guests. And remember what USA Wealth Group does, folks. It truly protects your family's assets, assets that you worked very hard all your life for. Why not protect them the right way with USA Wealth Group? Absolutely. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. We have so many free reports we'll be happy to provide information on Social Security, information on how to increase your wealth safely and protect it. So give us a call. You know, I mentioned at the earlier part of the hour that I wasn't going to say any more lawyer jokes on the air. So this is not exactly a lawyer joke, but it's just something to show you that famous people have been thinking about lawyers for a very long time because we're here this morning with attorney Michael Coleman and attorney Tenny Lance. So... Thomas Jefferson said, It is the trade of lawyers to question everything, yield nothing, and talk by the hour. <laughs> so, that was sort of a zinger quotation. <laughs> Started out fine. It did, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> you know, most of our founding fathers who signed the Constitution were lawyers, and uh, we wouldn't have the country we have today. We wouldn't have our U.S. Constitution. We wouldn't have the orderly society that we have today had it not been for lawyers who wrote the laws and wrote the Constitution. So, absolutely. And Thomas Jefferson also said, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. And that reminds me about what's been happening in the news recently with the terror attacks in Paris. And now there are some counter demonstrations apparently taking place in Russia. Uh, on the news recently. Right. But I thought this was a very important quotation to read today, especially given what's been happening in the news. Uh, This is from George Washington. He said, if the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Beautifully said. A great quotation from George Washington, because freedom of speech is very, very important. So let's come back and talk about, I'm not sure where we are on the list, uh, Mike, but let's talk about nominee trust and real estate trust as a way to possibly protect your house. How could that work? Well, uh, yeah, the nominee trust, the realty trust that we normally draft, it's a short document. And one of the great things about this trust is that when the property is deeded into the trust, uh, you avoid a few different things. First of all, Uh, The property was probably held as joint tenants before, or maybe if it was a married couple, it would have been held as by tenancy by the entirety. So what happens in that situation is when one person passes away, their interest in the real estate will automatically pass to the other one. And then should that person pass away without doing anything with that property, uh, no one would own the property when they pass away. So that would be a a probate situation. Uh, If you transfer the property into a trust, you would have successor trustees lined up. So you would not have to worry about probate. The successor trustee would be the one to manage that property. So that's really a a great advantage. Would that also be more confidential, therefore, because nobody really knows who the beneficiaries are, possibly? Right, exactly. You wouldn't have to go to court. There would be no public uh, presentation of the assets. So you could have a separate schedule of beneficial interests, and no one would be able to see who those beneficiaries are. Um, So yes, it's certainly more private. So here's an important question. Let's assume that you took title as joint tenants, husband and wife as joint tenants, and you 
bought a mortgage, you had a mortgage on your house when you took title to your house, and then you decide, you know, I'd literally like to put title to my house into a trust. Do you have to get permission or consent from the bank in order to put the house into a trust? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, sometimes it might be beneficial to at least contact the bank to find out if it's going to affect the mortgage. Mm-hmm. But. There's a federal law called the Garn St. Germain Act that prohibits banks from precluding somebody to put their house in a trust. Okay. So Mike suggested uh, what you're saying is you don't really need the bank's permission to do it, but it's still probably a good idea to let them know that you've done it so they can change the address on the account or the name on the account, for example. I think so, yes. All right. So even if you took title uh, to your house as joint tenants, perhaps, and you have a mortgage, it still might be a good idea to put your house into a trust name. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Now, what about long-term care insurance, uh, Mike, as a way to protect your house? Well, this is a great thing. Uh, people are sometimes skepti- skeptical about it. They think it's uh, overly costly. But one of the main things that this helps with is um, protecting the property. If you have a proper amount of coverage, and I think it's $125 per day for two years right now, um, one of the main things that this does is if you do go into a nursing home and you have some of that protection left, um, then this would avoid a mass health lien on your house. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the main things that people really like about the long-term care insurance. Okay. Tanya, you have long-term care insurance. I do. I've had it for, gosh, 14, 15 years, something like that, maybe more. Um, and it's affordable because of the age I was when I bought it. I knew that I was going to be diagnosed with osteoporosis at some point. And in fact, I was, but I got the long-term care insurance first. So my premiums are quite affordable. Um, I just really am an advocate of long-term care insurance. And we actually do work in that area at USA Wealth Group. And if somebody has interest in exploring it, it doesn't cost any money to get a quotation and find out what it might cost to protect your house. Uh, Not too many people do it because it's one more bill that you have to pay But boy, if there's a need for long-term care insurance later, you can absolutely protect the house. And And it's it's interesting. The newer policies have different riders that you can buy um, that allow for the premiums to come back to you in a form of life insurance. I don't know exactly relationships because I'm not involved in the particulars, but there are lots of ways that long-term care insurance can be very useful now especially for home care, for example. Right. And, you know, your point about having a life insurance component is important. That's a fairly new feature of long-term care insurance. Some people don't like the idea of having to pay out premiums for long-term care insurance because if you never have to make a claim, it's money that's just out of pocket, like a car insurance policy or a homeowner's insurance policy. But a lot of the policies today will have the feature that there's a life insurance component. So if the person with a long-term care insurance just passes away and never has to go to a nursing home, then the insurance feature will pay back all the premiums that they've paid. Mm-hmm. So it's not money that's wasted. It's not money that's out of pocket. So at least investigate it, and it's a, it's a good thing to take a look at. And so, Tenny, if you have this minimum long-term care insurance policy that Mike mentioned, it basically means what, the state cannot put a lien against the house, I guess. Right, and that was just confirmed by a law that was passed uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, So I think it's a wonderful means of protecting your house. Um, Okay. 
So do you ever have a situation where we've talked about life estates and life estate deeds? Um, what's the difference between, say, a life estate deed and a life occupancy agreement? Do you ever do a life occupancy agreement for any reason? Yes, the life occupancy agreement often is not recorded at the Registry of Deeds. It's simply an agreement between two parties, uh, one that may own the house and one uh, and the other party being somebody who wants to be able to remain there for life. So it's often done between parents and children if the home is owned by the child, for example. Hmm. You know, we're all looking forward to the Super Bowl game coming up shortly. Yes. And we've got some really famous coaches in this country. One of them had some interesting things to say about uh, working to the best of your ability. And I like to think that attorney Mike Coleman and attorney Tenny Lance do a great job in helping their clients protect their assets Mm -hmm. and working to the best of their ability to make sure that that happens. So there was a famous coach named John Wooden. Uh, He was a college basketball coach. Uh, He was the probably the greatest basketball coach for college. Uh, He led the UCLA Bruins to 10 national titles in a 12-year period, including four totally undefeated seasons. Just remarkable coach, John Wooden. And he said, don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished, but by what you should have accomplished with your ability. In other words, work to the best of your ability. And I think that's a good message for everybody listening today, too. There's things that every single one of us can do to improve our lives, protect our families better. And it starts by making a simple call, uh, perhaps going to um, a seminar or workshop, or perhaps just calling for an appointment and getting advice about how you can protect uh, your own home. Um, Mike, give us the details again on the uh, seminars that you've got coming up at the end of the month. Sure. We have three seminars coming up. One's on uh, Tuesday, January 27th. That's at 6.30 p.m. at the Hampton Inn in Fairhaven. Second one is on Thursday, January 29th, again at 6.30 p.m., and that's at Whites of Westport in Westport. And finally, on Saturday, January 31st, we have one at 10 a.m., and that's at our office, Lance Law Office in Dartmouth. So if you'd like to sign up for any of those, please call us at 508-998-8800. You could also register online at info at lancelawinc.com. And I'd just like to add that if you want to learn a little bit about our firm, what we do, who we are, you can visit our website at lancelawinc.com. Okay, very good. So take the time to make a call and register to go to a seminar and start your year off right by protecting your family and learning some things that you can do. You know, we've talked about your top 10 legal strategies to protect the home, Mike. We've talked about a lot of these should you just take your house entirely and put it in the names of your children? Forget the life estate, forget the life occupancy agreement. Sometimes people, I assume, just take the house and put it in their children's names entirely. Is that a good idea? People often bring that up with us, and most of the time they don't want to do that because they don't want to just transfer their asset to their children. Uh, They've probably been paying for the house for a long time, and they feel like it's theirs, um, that's certainly a good idea. I mean, one of the things that that would help with is that it would take the asset out of your name for Medicaid purposes as long as you have uh, the five-year period between the time you transfer it and when you need the Medicaid. Um, but there are certainly some drawbacks to doing this. One of those is there could be a potential capital gains issue. All right. Uh, how does that work? 
Well, there's something called a basis in capital gains. And if you transfer something to someone during your lifetime, they're going to take that asset at your basis, meaning that if you paid $50,000 for that asset and it's now worth $200,000, they're going to take it at the $50,000 amount. And then when they sell it later on, they're going to have to pay the gains on that asset. So that's a major drawback. So let me think about that for a minute. That's I, I know that's called a carryover basis. So using your example of a house that the parents paid fifty thousand dollars for and it's now worth two hundred thousand dollars and they transfer it to their child or their children, the child now owns the house for the same cost. And then if the parents continue to live there but pass away <coughs> excuse me, then when the children sell the house, they're gonna sell it for two hundred their basis or their cost is fifty. They're going to pay a. They're going to have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar capital gain. Exactly, and that's that's a big issue. If you were to do something else with a property, put in a trust, and have the interest in that property transfer upon your deaths, then you would get what's called the step up in basis, and your children would take the house at the step up. Value. Okay, so if they inherit the house rather than acquire it by gift during their lifetime, then they inherit it at fair market value? Exactly. So they inherit it at the value of $200,000. They could turn around and sell it for $200,000 and pay no capital gains. Right. So that's what that's certainly a tax drawback. Right. And there are certainly some other drawbacks too. I mean, if, if you're going to just transfer your house to your children, of course, you're not going to have ultimate control over what happens with that asset. So uh, as we mentioned before, you probably sign what's called a life occupancy agreement. Um, but if you should have some sort of argument with your kids and they want to be really mean to you, you could have problems there. Well, I have to say I've actually seen that happen. There was a gentleman in the community that I won't name who was not a lawyer who thought he was helping people by just drawing deeds and putting them from the parent's name into the children's name. And then later there was a dispute between parent and child, and the parents wanted the house back. Or I know of one situation, several actually, when the parent decided to get remarried again after the death of the first spouse, and the child refused to transfer the house back to the parent. And there was really nothing they could do about it. So you need to think carefully, I guess, before you put the house just into your children's name. Absolutely. And there's also one final issue is the issue of the creditors of the children. If you transfer that asset into their name, then their creditors could come after that asset. So while you're living in that house, liens can be placed on that asset because your kids weren't paying their bills. So that's a thought. So if a child gets into a car accident and the parents have transferred the parent's house into the child's name, the house is at risk for the child's liabilities. Right, exactly. Hmm. Well, you have to be careful when you put property or assets in the name of children in general. Um, don't feed the hand that bites you, I guess we could say. <laughs> Is that the way it goes, Phil? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Let's see. Was that my quotation? I'll have to write that down as one of my quotations. I can't remember. <laughs> now, tell us about joint ownership, Mike. And tell us what's – we've talked about deeds and joint tenancies and trusts and homesteads and – uh, liability umbrella of riders and different things today. Tell us what are some of the different kinds of joint tenancy and why could that be helpful sometimes? Well, the, f- the first kind that's uh, most common is just joint ownership or joint tenancy with the right of survivorship. And what that means is that when, for instance, with a house, when one person passes away, the other one gets that person's interest automatically. And then 
It's the, a right of survivorship, I think it's called. Right, yeah. exactly. Yep. And then the person who's still living has that asset in their name alone. So if you don't do anything with that asset between the time that the sole survivor gets it and when they pass away, that's going to be a probate issue. So it's a good um, strategy when two people are still living because when one passes away, the other one takes it automatically. But when you get into the sole survivor issue and you don't do anything with it then, that's when it becomes more complicated. Okay. And so is a tenancy by the entirety any different than a joint tenancy? That's basically the same thing. That's uh, something that is uh, happening with married couples. So normally when people are married, you have tenancy by, by the entirety, but it's essentially the same thing. The interest passes automatically upon the death of the first spouse. So to sort of summarize some of these points, one needs to take a look at how the title is held, whether it's a joint tenancy or a tenancy by the entirety. They might also need to take a, make a decision about whether to put property into a trust. And then certainly, trust or not, I guess somebody ought to do a homestead. Right. Yep. Can you, Tendi, can you do a homestead for all property, you know, I mean, all residential property? You mean if, if you live in the property and even if you have your property in a trust? Yeah, no, I guess what I'm getting at is I remember for a while I was uh, assistant register of deeds in New Bedford and there was an issue with registered land that you couldn't always oh. uh, do a declaration of homestead if you had the property in a trust. That's fairly technical, but I guess you could talk about that in the office. Right. Okay. All right, so let's uh, come back to... What does it mean if you have a son and daughter living in the house with the attorney? Well, um, this may be the uh, tenth item that uh, Mike was talking about, ten no. ways to protect the home. Mine was number ten because mine was oh, yes. oh, the so we've um- got umbrella. So we have 11, see? <laughs> like, it's like the 11 <laughs> commandments, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or the 12th man in the room, as they say last night. <laughs> Well, one way to protect your home um, that isn't good for everybody, of course, but if you have a son or a daughter who uh, comes into your home and makes it their legal residence and uh, takes care of you for a couple of years before a nursing home becomes involved, then the parent can transfer that home to the son or daughter without any Medicaid penalty. Okay. So that's that's another interesting situation. So it has to be an adult son or daughter living in the house, I assume? Well, it has to be old enough that they could take care of the parent, right? Okay, of legal age. All right. And um, so that's something to consider. And you know, Mike, I was just thinking there's one other issue that would happen if a parent puts the title to the house into the child's name. And we talked earlier, they could have a capital gains problem. If that child who gets title to the house ends up living in the house, and as long as they live there for two years, then they have the benefit of selling the house later, and the first $250,000 of capital gains is tax-free. So every situation is complicated. Every situation is slightly different. Right, and in the situation that I was talking about, the transfer doesn't have to happen until after the parent is in the nursing home and needing Medicaid. So... It isn't as though you would transfer the house a long time ahead of time. Uh, you'd do it at the last minute. So it's a nice last-minute strategy. All right. So there's some really interesting things. You know, there's some good general information that's been given today. But also, um, 
it also makes us realize that it's important to really get professional advice when you're considering any of these alternatives because every situation is different, isn't it? Yes, it is. Amazingly so. Uh, when someone comes in um, to ask about house protection, what Mike and I do is we sort of sift through our in our mind all the basic alternatives until one might uh, work for that particular party. Okay. So the message for today really ought to be take some steps to protect your house. It's the largest single asset that most people have. And take some steps to learn more about estate planning by attending one of the conferences that Mike and Tenney have coming up at the end of this month. It's called Will's Trust in Nursing Home Asset Protection. Learn how to protect your assets and provide for your loved ones. And I know you're going to talk about a number of things uh, even in more detail than what's been discussed today. And these seminars are at the Hampton Inn in Fairhaven on Tuesday, January 27, 630 in the evening. And then on Thursday, January 29th at Whites of Westport on Route 6 in Westport. And that's also at 6.30 p.m. And then again on Saturday, January 31st at 10 a.m. at the Lancelar office. The day before the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah, so maybe you'll have something special for the Super Bowl celebration. We are planning that, yes. Something something you, very tasty. Tasty. <laughs> hmm. Uh-huh. Deflated footballs. <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, Tom Brady was on the radio saying, "I can't believe you know they would say something so stupid." I know. But uh, anyway, when you have to lose a game, I guess you have other things you have to make excuses for. Unbelievable. So, anyways, Mike, uh, provide the telephone number if they, if anybody would like to listen. Uh, sure, it's go to one of these seminars. Five zero eight nine nine eight 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 zero zero. You could call toll free. Uh, 800-406-0100. You could also register online at info at com. And again, if you want to learn more about uh, our office, what we do, and who we are, you can visit our website at com. Take some time to plan. Take some time to do something. And I'd just like to remind everyone listening, Phil and uh, Tenny and Mike, mm-hmm. that in USA Wealth Group, we have something called the Baby Boomer's Guide to Social Security. Excellent. We have Retirement Redefined, How to Make Your Wealth Last a Lifetime. We have Solving the Retirement Income Dilemma. We have Key Financial Data for 2015 that we can provide you, which has information about tax rates. All these things are available to you if you just choose to give our office a call. And all of it is free, just like your wonderful chat. Or what are you calling them now? Tenny? Well, they're called oh. seminars, but that's kind of um, a, a, a highfalutin kind of <laughs> phrase. <laughs> it's, it's just a meeting where Mike and I get to talk and we show some fun slides and we yeah. explain a lot of things that people often have trouble understanding. Comfortable, convenient, so instructive, and you'll love it, folks. Fireside chats. So, <laughs> Attorney Michael Coleman, thank you for joining us this morning. Attorney Tenny Lance, thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful week, and we look forward to talking to you again on the radio. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Bowl Sunday. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, we truly do thank you. We're very grateful for you listening in every Sunday to the new 1420 at this time. So long until next Sunday.